um, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 32 of Convos on the Pedicab. I'm here with a very special guest, uh, my friend uh, John Keaton. He's a uh, producer, an artist, a political activist. Uh, he's a bartender as well. He's a jack of all trades. Um, before we get started, though, we got to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, 10th Planet Austin, 10PATX, uh, at 10PATX on Instagram and Twitter. Get woke and improve your jujitsu at the same time. You know, there's a lot of civil unrest going around. Our police got defunded. There's no better uh, time than now to learn how to intelligently defend yourself. We have a phenomenal jujitsu program taught by the number five grappler in the world, Kyle Bain. We have a great MMA and striking program taught by. Um, Former UFC fighter uh, Andrew Craig, jiu-jitsu black belt and pro fighter um, Cody Hostetter. And we also have uh, Chantel Perry, a uh, professional Muay Thai fighter, teaching our kickboxing classes. I haven't mentioned her in previous episodes. I don't know why, but we're going to start doing that. Um, we also have strength and conditioning taught by Isik the Viking Ninja. So we got uh, phenomenal programs, phenomenal people. Everyone's very open-minded, very accepting. You can really progress at your own pace. So if you're in Southeast Austin... Um, and you want to learn an essential or a series of essential self-defense skills in this uh, cruel and changing world that we're living in, come to 10th Planet Austin, 10 PATX. You'll get all the skills you need for the mats as well as these streets. Anyway, John, thank you for coming on. That was a hell of a plug. Uh, you got you to gotta do it. Yeah. Oh, I do? I mean, I mean you got to, you know, you got to rep. You, you, you got to do you, it. You got to do it. So, yeah. <laughs> And I'm, I'm talking in the second person. But, John, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's nice to feel wanted. I, you know, <laughs> we, we, we need love and connection now more yeah. than ever during um, these crazy times. Of course, of course. So, John, um, you, you, you're a bartender. Yes. And you produce and everything. How have these lockdowns affected you? Um, so, I was, I was laid off uh, right I'm whenever. Huh? A little closer to you. Oh. Yeah. I was uh, I was laid off right whenever the uh, the the first round hit, and uh, I was unemployed for man must have been five or six months. Um, that was it was difficult, you know. Like that six that extra six hundred dollars probably saved my life. I would definitely be homeless again if uh, if that hadn't come through. Um, but I mean, you know, during that time, all of the protests happened. I, I got pretty involved with that, um, both as a participant as and as a, a journalist. Um, I, I think I, I, as well as you know, a lot of people, did my best to use that time constructively and and to to grow, you know. But uh, I recently gone back to work, and it's it's pretty difficult. Like, even being in places where people can actually go because you know we serve food, um, it, the the money's just way down. The money's way down. People, it, yeah. it, it it used to be in this city that you know if you were at the right place, then you could make a pretty decent living as a bartender. You know what I mean? Like you could inch close to middle class but that's i i don't really think that's the case in the, any, anymore even for you know rainy street and sixth street which are more or less operating without any restrictions whatsoever well sort of they all have to be um treated like restaurants and you can't go to the bar yeah so but <clears throat> i mean like that kind of thing that's that's window dressing you know what i mean for for all intents and purposes they're open they're open but they're not ordering as many they're not spending as much money because they're not at the bar they have to be way to be served mm -hmm. so they're not spending as much when you're not spending as much you're not tipping as much yeah um, so there, there is, they're definitely, they're taking an L. They're taking a big L. Yeah. And I think the problem too with the unemployment is that what they need to do right now is they got to offer, um, they need to offer like real money to these, to these establishments. Yeah. And they got to like, they got to 
do something where if you work at these establishments, they should just let you collect like 400 bucks a week while you're working. Yeah. Just just, to, just that like play catch up. You're, you're, inch, you're inching close to like no, a, I like, a basic UBI, income. No, I, I've never yeah. had a problem with that, man. Yeah. I never had had a problem. I've had arguments actually with right-leaning guests about why we should have that. Yeah. I don't know if you saw some of that, but I've, I've had um, this guy, Brad Swill, host like this uh, uh, conservative podcast called The Councilman. I was like, dude, we should definitely have UBI. It'll like stimulate the stock market. It'll give yeah. people extra spending money. It'll give, it'll create more retail investors. It'll increase home ownership. Like, I think all that stuff is, that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm not like opposed to like doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's one of those things that's kind of an inevitability. Like at some point we're going to have to make a, tr- a transition from a society that is based around, you know, creating profit for a very small number of people to a society that allows human beings to reach their fullest potential in whatever capacity that may be. You know what I mean? And, and, and in order to do that, like we, again, like we're, we're the most wealthy society in the history of the world. And yet we have poverty. That shouldn't be the case. Like the wealth is there. It exists. The the issue is with distributing it to people. Sure. Sure. But poverty is always going to exist no matter what, because generally speaking, there are going to be some people that have like a different set of ambitions than other people. There are going to be some people that have different set of circumstances that they're dealing with than other people. Like poverty, poverty exists. The, The issue is not really like eliminating poverty because, because that just becomes a buzzword that just siphons money into rich people and destroys small businesses and destroys people in the middle class because they're the ones who have to pay all the, for all these tax programs. What you do is you provide opportunities for people in bad areas to get lift themselves out of poverty. But I, That's, does, that, does that make sense? Like, I, th- I think the fundamental difference between the two positions that we're arguing here is I don't think necessarily that work should be the end-all, be-all of a human life. I think that Hey, you're preaching, you're preaching to the choir. I'd, I'd ride around on a bicycle and pick my own schedule and make rap songs about conspiracy <laughs> theories that, and wear a Captain America mask that deliberately doesn't cover my nose and mouth like while I'm giving rides. Like I understand that. Like you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. I work on my own schedule. Like I yeah. understand. Like you don't live to work. You work to live. Yeah. I'm fully believing on that. But I also do think that um, it, it's because of the capitalist system that I'm able to benefit and do well from Why? it. Why? You, you, I think you benefit from a market system, not necessarily the capitalist system. The capitalist system is, is based around groups of people who have income based around the amount of money that they have, not necessarily what they produce. You are, you are, you're not a capitalist. You, you, you operate within a market system. Okay, so think about it like this. So but, it, I'm also, but I'm also like buying Bitcoin and I'm buying stocks and I'm buying... You're still not a capitalist. You still you still work for your living. In order to buy those 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 things, you have to put use your body. Well, we have motors now. I'm not really using my body. Oh badly. come on! You get the deep. Yeah, point. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Point. Like, but I like doing it. Like I, I love it. Yeah. I don't consider what I'm doing to be work. And that's and that's and that's good. Like and if you and if a person wants to do those kinds of things, of course they should be able to. Like nobody's saying that you know stop the opportunity for people to to do what they want, but just making it to where you're not doing it at threat of starvation, which is essentially the barrel of a gun. Yeah, and I'm pretty lucky. I haven't had to. I haven't felt that way in a while. I, I feel like I'm doing this because it's like I'm trying to um, advance my position in life, and that's how I'm. Yeah. That's why I'm approaching pedicabbing right now. Yeah. Versus like I'm doing it because I have to make a living and pay my bills. So yeah. I think that, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this country, and there's a lot of opportunity in Austin. I think that like um, we got to do a better job of like encouraging opportunity versus like complaining about how bad things are. And there's got to be a balance of like, hey, or or it's like you should recognize that certain things are bad. And we should try to figure out how to fix them. But we also need to do a better job of understanding that there are opportunities that exist and point people in the direction of good opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Is that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. That my, my two cents on that. Um, what made you want to get involved in all the protests? 
Um, necessity. I mean, mm. you know, I, I, there was just this very, very deep urge. Like whenever you see that, oh, there's something happening. Like it's, it's history, you know, like very few times in a person's life is there a real genuine historical moment and very, even fewer still are, are there moments that you can participate in. And I knew immediately that it was something that I had to participate in. I, I happened to have a, a camera, you know what I mean? And not everybody has like a proper camera. And so I felt like I had a civic duty to go out there and not only participate and to know what was going on, I had a, a duty to document so that in 50 years, whenever I'm being called into my kid's classroom to tell them about what happened during the second civil rights movement, I would be able to show them what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have memories of it that were a collection of what other people have said about what happened. I would know intimately the the ins and outs of exactly how things went well, down. Well, but what do you what do you, so what do you, what, from what you experienced? What do you what do you see happen? What can you say? What what do you think happened? Like from your experience, like what if let's say we're fifty years in the future, um, we're in your kid's school. What happened? I think I think that things reached a point where people knew very deeply that things were wrong and the distractions that had been built up around us to stop us from doing anything about those wrongs weren't enough. And the balance of outrage shifted towards a, an impulse for people to move and to participate and to release anger. I, I think that like protests are not the end-all be-all of social change, but I think that they're very important in the sense that it shows that you're not alone and that there's a lot of other people around you that are feeling and thinking the same things and have the same frustrations and it creates opportunities for dialogue and community building and and look we're all angry about the same thing at the same time and now we can you know have a dialectic and articulate between us what exactly it See, is that we're upset about i have i have a different perspective on this go ahead um so i think that um a, I think that a group of powerful elites like Bezos and Zuckerbergs and the heads of the tech companies mm -hmm. and the Jack Dorseys and all these people um, took something that is fundamentally wrong in, with America, like racism and police brutality and all these things mm -hmm. that are horrible and need to be addressed, um, and they weaponized it during a pandemic in order to take an already divided country and split it in half in the middle of an election. I didn't go out there because Jeff Bezos no made, shit. A, made a media I know, campaign. I know that. I but know that. But, 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 that's, like 15, that but applies John, to everybody. Right, Nobody but, went out there because of a series of propaganda things. People went out there because of the realities of what right, they've been facing. Okay, I understand that. But 15 million people. Like, you, here's the thing, too, right, man? Like, you know, our corporate media was telling us to stay home and not go anywhere. Mm -hmm. They were telling us to not even go to the park yeah. the first month of COVID. Yeah. And we're still in the middle of a raging pandemic. And those same people who told us not to go to the park now all told us to stand side by side next to each other and protest. No, they didn't. What are we, you talking no, about? No, there, there was there was huge media backlash against the protest. No, there, I mean, was there? even just absolutely. I mean, even just the way that it was framed, like you know, they focused so much on on the violence. You know what I mean? This, I think like the some, very some very some minimal violence. I think like fought well. I saw a car get. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute because I, I don't want to like I don't want this to devolve into like calling like bad mouthing protesters or bad mouthing people who like genuinely wanted to do a good thing. Like I don't want it to go down that rabbit hole. But I do think that like this type of like people. I, I think that our our um social media like the tech companies definitely weaponized people's justifiable outrage to serve themselves. I really do feel like that that happened. Um and yeah, you had your Fox Newses, you had like Infowars, you had like the Blaze, you had some of these like these other conservative news outlets that only filmed violence. 
I'm no. talking about like MSNBC. Really? Which is, yeah, what? which is considered like the. I mean, yes, they, was... they might they might sugarcoat it and and powder it with a bit of oh there there are justifiable reasons why these people are upset. But the fact of the matter is is they were still pushing the narrative of everything is burning down right now, and I, these are the people that are responsible for it. You know what I mean? I like, didn't see it's, that at all, man. I, I saw like that people saying peaceful protest, people calling everybody a peaceful protester while shit was literally on fire in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Like, yeah. I saw that, man. And then like when we had a spike, when we had that second spike in cases, everybody just started blaming bars while people were like side by side next to each other coughing in the middle of a pandemic because they got tear gas to no fault of their own. Let's um, – understand yeah. that yeah. but we did see that and it's like you were it was it was like almost used to gaslight people and the oh, media's yeah. response to this all all the media's response to this did was create more racism i don't think it created more racism i think that it fueled it yeah i i no i i think that there's 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 no way to make more racism i think that racism is something that's an in, inherent in the, in the history and structure of the united states and it's it's inseparable the history of racism is the history of the united states they are one and the same Yo, do you, you know, know what i mean do you know how much money BLM like got from um, these protests, like during the summer from these protests? I don't they know. got like over ten billion dollars, so some crazy amount of money. Yeah, who's, like who's who's BLM though? You, do you see what I mean? Like, but like the BL, like BLM, like the National BLM chapter got like eleven billion dollars. Yeah, but and I, and, and, I, and I think those people had absolutely nothing to do with what was going on the ground. You know what I mean? I agree. No, I agree. I think that, like, if you understand, like, a lot of the people that are, uh, and that's the thing, too, man, like, everybody was clumping the BLM guys. They're calling them, like, Biden supporters and calling these people looters and rioters and doing all that stuff. And, like, there, there's a big complicated web as to what you're going to call a lot of the people protesting. Um, but BLM as a group got $11 billion as a result of these riots. Uh, no, as a result of these protests. I'm not going to call them riots. As a result of these um, these protests and a result of the civil unrest, they got $11 billion. Do you know how much money actually went to local the local chapters? I have no idea. Like almost nothing. Yeah. There was a whole news article about that. And like how much how much money was going into like supporting black small businesses or how much money was going to uh, was being put into like black communities to actually like um create positive community outreach programs in those communities. Like that's a, that's a real question that we got to look into, right? Cuz if people yeah. are like weaponizing and using identity politics and fake social justice to push a movement that doesn't actually help the people that it's supposed to help, like you got to ask these questions and be a critical thinker, right? Yeah, but I also think that there's 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 room for contradiction within any kind of a social movement. I think um, I, again, I'm, I'm going to hammer the, the point home that you know what is happening on a national stage is pretty irrelevant to what was happening to the people that were actually participating in what was going on. It was it was I, I would I would even go so far as to say it's wholly irrelevant, except for maybe providing a focal point for media to to create and, and form like structures hey, and opinion John, around. Did you have a personal experience that made you like want to get super involved in this? Oh yeah, I was. Cuz you said you were homeless and stuff. So I want to talk like, let's talk about that a little more. Did you have like a personal experience that made you like I mean, I I've always I've always been aware. I mean, I'm I'm a philosophy student and I I am very interested in in ethics and, you know, American history and, and things to that effect. So I've I've always had a mind for it and I've always cared and you know, I I remember Occupy Wall Street and I remember you know, I remember the, that. I grew up in New York. Like I was in yeah. New York while all this shit was happening. Yeah, and I, I just I, I remember like the series of black killings that you know would gain media attention. Then everything would just go away, and everything would just kind of go back to normal. And I, I I don't know. There's so there's like background on that kind of stuff. But the thing that really made me get super involved was like that first weekend in Austin, whenever things were very violent and the police were attacking people essentially at random. You know, for for tossing water bottles. Like people would be shot. Because they tossed water, or because somebody else tossed water bottles. That, that's what happened to me. I was uh, uh, 
that first Saturday, I was down on the access road next to I-35 in front of APD, and I was filming, very obviously, but, you know, both hands on my camera facing, you know, down towards APD, and there was a, a line of police up on the highway bridge because, you know, they had forced everybody off of the highway, yada, 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 and uh, somebody tossed a rock or a water bottle, and it dinged off of the light pole that's right there on the corner of, of APD, and... Everybody in the front of the crowd got maced immediately, and then there, a full, like, 12 seconds later, after whatever, you know, danger had passed from the water bottle that had been tossed, you know, a series of, like, 16 shots rang out, um, and the guys on top of the highway were firing down indiscriminately into the crowd, and I was shot. You got shot? I was shot. Like with an actual gun or, like, a rubber bullet or what? With a rubber, I mean, you know, with, sh it was a shotgun, and it was, you know, it's bird shot inside of a, it, like, a, a beanbag sock. So, I mean... Yeah, I, 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 I did. I didn't die. Yeah, I mean, I had a, a bruise the size of a football on my side, and I have a scar that's going to be there for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? And the the person who did it is going to get away scot free. You know, I I put in a complaint, and they're doing an investigation, but nothing's going to happen to that person, and I'm I'm never going to know who they were, even if the police find out. So that was the thing that really crystallized. Okay, this is now a personal thing for me, and I I I have to be involved because I am a piece of it. I was somebody who was you know. Violently yeah. attacked by the state, and then, and then and then you also have to. Then there's also another side of this too. Like my um, so I, I go to Tenth Planet. And there's a franchise of Tenth Planets, right? Yeah. And one of the Tenth Planets, I in California, um, had a bunch of people, a bunch of like protesters, came and looted and threw a mal were, were like looted and threw a Molotov cocktail through the gym at Tenth Planet, mm -hmm. and then the media was like out there calling them, you know, peaceful protesters. So if you, if you go to like Tenth Planet and you, or especially if you go to that gym. And that happened to your gym. You're gonna have a different attitude. And then there was that video. In, did you see that video in Rochester? What, no. There was a video in Rochester where a bunch of like BLM like supporters. Was that after that um, police officer killed that that dude or whatever? Like, and the video showed up months later. I forgot the guy's name, but um, there was a big protest in, in Rochester, and um, a bunch of BLM guys stormed a restaurant while people were just randomly minding their own business and eating dinner. And they started terrorizing people who were eating dinner at a restaurant that were doing nothing wrong to contribute to any oppression whatsoever. They were smashing glass bottles. They were physically assaulting people. They were screaming people. They were getting people's faces. Yeah. They were doing, they were just uh, terrorizing people for no reason. And then I saw other shit where like, if somebody, if people were just hanging out, minding their own business, a bunch of people just gang up on them and make them raise their fists and stuff like that. And, and you know, if you didn't do it, they would like, everyone would just gang up on you and scream at you and do stuff like that. So it's like, Everybody had everyone's real everyone's like reality of this and everyone's perception of this is all based on a life experience and the problem is that like everybody's had a different lived experience when it's come to this stuff. Yeah, and and again, I I, I, I again I want to express that there's there there's there has to be room for contradiction within any kind of a movement and because the people that were out there were not a monolith. I mean, even in the case of Austin, there were there was a, a group of unaffiliated people who would show up and be like mass body numbers. There were several, you know, you know, progressive groups there was a a, a marxist leninist group that was out there who did a lot of like you know violent and you know angry agitation one way or another and and you know a lot of these people disagreed with each other you know what i mean like the people that were out there are not a monolith and they never were so i think like again judging the actions of these groups of very loosely affiliated people who are out there really in in protest of two things, which would be the violent racism of police in the United States, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, no regard for taking care of the issue and the dominance of neoliberal capitalism as it exists in people's lives. I think that was the bigger issue for a lot of people. But then, but then, yeah, all right, I, I get that. But then, like, 
why are you why are you why are you i mean not you specifically right or your friends or yeah. your groups but that but why are these groups then like lighting a random person's car on fire or throwing a molotov cocktail through a bar on east 6th street like if that if you're so mad at neoliberal capitalism throw a molotov cocktail through the facebook building yeah. Right, go bomb Apple. Right, yeah. go do something to Microsoft. Go, go to Bill Gates' fortress and fuck up Bill Gates. Like you know, but they weren't doing that. And it's just like everything that these these um, protests seem to be doing. All it did was just help Jeff Bezos become a trillionaire. It, well, I, I don't agree with that point specifically, but, it's, it, that, but I, I I agree with the larger issue <laughs> issue that you're raising. But uh, the 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 point of violent protest is to force attention to something. Sure, but and then target the people that are doing violence to you. I agree, but uh, I'm getting to a bigger okay. point here. I, there's, there's, there's this issue in the society that we live in right now of ideology, right? And because there's no way for people to operate intellectually outside of the confines of the society with which we built, the only way to express the anger and the frustration is to you know, ex explode in, 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 in indirect, usually self-harming violence in one way or another because there's no other route or alternative but that's, for it. But I don't agree with you, though, because there literally is a route. It's like it's, it's called Facebook. It's called find the Facebook building, find the Apple building, you know, find the Amazon headquarters. It's, you know, th that direct your anger at the people who wronged you. Or if you're mad about, like, the lockdowns, right, and you direct your anger at the government officials who um, – did those lockdowns? So you're you're appropriately directing your. I'm not just. I'm not saying do violence, but you're just. It's justified. You know, in California right now, since Gavin Newsom did this curfew, mm -hmm. people are going to Gavin Newsom's house at like midnight, yeah. one o'clock in the morning, honking their car horns outside Gavin Newsom's house. That's great. That is great. <laughs> Fuck yeah. it. High five to that. Yeah. We got a high five. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're gonna be mad about being oppressed, target your actual oppressors. And it felt from what I was watching, that the people weren't targeting their oppressors. They were targeting people who didn't have that much to do with it, and it was well, turning people off to a movement that everybody should have been on board with. Two things. First, the oppressors are faceless. The oppressors don't exist. No, it's, they, like, it's like in a communist society whenever, whenever the leaders say, the people. It doesn't actually exist. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like, no, these oppressors definitely have faces. Jeff Bezos has a face. Yeah, but, but but try try raising an army and go and going up against Jeff Bezos's, which is the state. You see what I mean? Like it's the the whole structure of our society is designed to protect these people, and so by rallying against the things that are around you, the physical manifestations of of your state. So then that, that's so what, that's what people were trying to do. I agree with you that maybe it was misdirected, but I also think that you're you're maybe expecting too much from a mass of people who. Like, there's not a, a, a legacy of defined organized protest in the United States within the past 75 years. Maybe. I, I mean, or maybe or I'm just... years. Maybe I just have faith in people. Who knows? I, I, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Like, when... Do you know how revolutions start? Yeah. Revolutions, they start in bars. They start by people congregating at churches or synagogues, whatever place of worship. They start by people going to the gym. They start by people being together in person. So when people are being told to stay home and they are being told to specifically not gather amongst each other and interact with each other and have face-to-face -face interactions with one another, and then all of a sudden now we're revolting, you're going to have a pretty shitty fucking revolution, man. Like, you're not, it's not going to, like, the re revolution is not going to do what the people revolting are, want for it to do. Like, it's not going to do what the people want. I think revolutions rarely do what the people who institute them want them to do. Uh, I 1776, think I think they, they did what they wanted. Yeah, but, I mean, I, not really. 
Honestly, not not really. I mean, whenever you're looking at uh, the whole again, like the whole history of American democracy, democracy is like the slow expansion of the ideals that were put into word into practice. You see what I mean? Like the the realities, like the people who did that revolution, talking about liberty and and equality and fraternity, like they owned human beings. Yeah, I mean that there it wasn't a perfect revolution, John. That's what I'm saying. Is like no, it wasn't, it wasn't, there, there it wasn't. isn't there isn't one that that genuinely accomplishes it wasn't the. Perfect, but it still created the system that we have, and I think that we do live in like the greatest country in the world when you consider everything. Um, Why? Um, have you seen the the lockdowns, like videos of lockdowns and like stories of like people who get arrested for not following lockdowns are in other countries? In China, people were bolting doors. People were bolting. Um, they were bolting people inside their houses in China. They couldn't even leave their homes. Their doors were being bolted sh- shut. In Australia, if you're more than a kilometer from your house, drones will fly around and surveil you, along with other high-tech surveillance systems, and they'll, and they'll send you thousands upon thousands of dollars in fines. China has social credit scores. Like you can't you, you can't go on an airplane or, or fly on a tr- or ride on a train if people don't think that if people aren't happy with your browsing history or, or what you're saying politically like there's some horrible shit that's going on a lot like all over the world and then it, when you watch videos of anti-lockdown protests in germany and in england and in, in europe the cops are beating the fuck out of people for protesting against lockdowns so like there is a lot like there's a lot of like really fucking and then in like india people were getting their asses beat by cops for not social distancing and we haven't experienced it and yeah there's a lot of problems and a lot of brutality from our police force and it's bad and we got to fix that but when you look at what's been happening in other countries we are like we are like the least fascist country in the entire <laughs> I, I, all right fine laugh that, it up but that's it's uh, not, all right that's fine not, if you, you don't agree with yeah. me that's fine but this is my opinion man like it like it's it, it shows like how great of a country that we live in that we actually do um we've managed to like preserve a lot of our personal freedoms even throughout a raging pandemic and that's kind of admirable man I can agree with that. I think so. That, I, that's that's very I, admirable. I I I I I do think that there's something to be said about uh, a person's right to be wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I I I I all of these people flaunting like restrictions and all and all that whatnot. There 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 is definitely a part of me that is, you know, that that can recognize the 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 goodness in um, people trying to. Uh, you know, protect liberty and whatever that may mean yeah. for them. You know what I mean? Like, even if it, they're doing it for the wrong reasons and, and for the wrong things, like, I, I, I see what you mean. But um, it, saying America is the least fascist country is, I don't know. We'll, I we'll agree to disagree. Let's agree mark. to disagree. But we, we have a pretty, we have a shared experience. And we're going to talk about the media, too, mm-hmm. based on this. We have a shared experience um, this summer, don't we? Yeah. Um, you want to you you talk about it? Or do you want me to talk about it? Uh, you know, you, you my customer. Let's talk my customer. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, start it off. Let's talk about the customer. All right. So, um, a week after Garrett Foster died, and we're going to talk about Garrett Foster too. Okay. Um, but a week after um, Garrett Foster died, there was a bunch of there was a lot of tension. Okay. There were a lot of um, there was a lot of protesting going on, and there was a lot of um, like like Garrett's friends and the people that were like supporting him were all out there protesting and trying to commemorate him. And then there was a bunch of like militia guys that came as well. And it didn't seem like it seemed like people were kind of like chilling and the militia guys were just there on the other side. And it was just and then there was a bunch of state police officers and all that stuff just 
because people were scared that there might be like more like looting or rioting or like violence and all this stuff occurring. Whether it was going to happen or not, who knows? But people were definitely worried about that. So you had a lot of people that were going out and LARPing and you know um, walking out with guns, and it was a pretty like tense, crazy like moment, right? And so fast forward, it's two in the morning, and I had this guy who um, gets in my cab. It's like he's like right outside, like he's like on Fourth Street, and he wants to go to his hotel. And I'm just like, and he's like, hey, can I get a ride? Um, can I get a ride? And I'm like, yeah, sure, dude, let's let's go. And he already paid me. And then before he wanted to go on the ride, he wanted to go talk to like all the protesters because he said that they assaulted him and they pointed a gun at him and all this crazy shit happened. Now, this is what he said. Yeah. This is what he told me, okay? And so I'm like, sure, bro. No worries. Um, I'm going to go across the street, though, because I'm not going to be in. I'm going to go across the street. And if things look mm-hmm. a little dicey because I don't want anything to happen to you, um, I'm going to yell pedicab and we're going to get out of here, okay? Mm-hmm. And then he was telling me, he's like, nothing's going to happen to me. I got guys on the roof and all this <laughs> bullshit. And he was saying he's like special forces and all this yeah. crap, right? And, you know, fast forward like five minutes later, things get dicey. Sure enough, I come in. I'm like, hey, pedicab, get in. Yeah. And so I put him in the cab. And then I'm riding away. And uh, then he told me to stop the cab because he, he had more to say to, like, all you guys. Yeah. And then a bunch of people start walking up to him. And I, like, get out of the cab to, like, defend my customer, mm-hmm. right? And so I was ready to defend my customer and make sure he was okay until he starts dropping N-bombs in front of people. Yeah. And so what did I do immediately? Oh, yeah, you got out of there. I got the yeah, fuck out of there. Yeah. I got the fuck out of there. I tried to go in my cab and drive away. And, like, he followed me in the cab. And um, apparently he, like, started swigging at people, and he hit a girl, and then a bunch of y'all chased the cab down and threw him out of the cab and beat the shit out of him. (laughs) I think most most of the beating that happened was while he was in the cab and y'all were pedaling away. There were, like, two or three people that were hanging on to it. like it let me let me give some <laughs> yeah, go, go, let me give some yeah, background yeah, yeah, yeah. let me give my so i sure. was i was the focal point of what that guy did right so we were all out there we had done uh, i believe we, we had done some marching that night it was some pretty like low-key stuff honestly uh, as far as everything had gone that summer but uh we were all uh at garrett's memorial um like you said about two or three in the morning and there were maybe you know 10 of us out there just kind of hanging out and talking and and you know morning and that kind of thing and this guy shows up and he starts talking to me and I'm, I, I'm like live streaming. A friend had given me like her phone to do it while she went off and did something else. And he, he started like just talking a little bit incoherently about like, like you said about, uh, who's in charge here. And I want to talk to who's in charge and like, nobody's in charge here, man. And, like, and, and he, uh, he just started to get like aggressive with me and he started like insulting me and he, he, he called me a fag and uh, like he called me fat and how, and he started talking about how he, how he, how I had long hair and I looked like a girl and he wanted to fuck me. And like, it was, what? it was just like really strange <laughs> yeah, and it was really strange and incoherent um, and like aggressive from this guy. And he was obviously like either drunk or on pain pills. I mean, he, his foot was in a cast. So or a boot. Yeah. A boot. And, uh, yeah, he he was just being like really like confrontational and aggressive and started talking about how he had like murdered people in Afghanistan and and all this other stuff and how I I wasn't a real man and yada 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 and and you know I, you know finally I told him look I mean I I don't need to do terrible things to 
like justify my masculinity and he he like he slapped it out of my hand and I said I felt I, I know I said I felt sorry for him that that like he had gone through like a bunch of really terrible stuff obviously and uh, he slapped the camera out of my hand and started telling me to put my helmet down so he could kick my ass and like a couple of the other people that were around us they started like walking up to, walking up to us and saying like hey you need to get the fuck out of here guy because you're being terrible and then you showed up and said pedicab I didn't know that you had picked him up before that yeah yeah I, yeah. I told you that no, no, yeah. no, no. And, uh, yeah, no, he, he backed down and he got in and then, you know, went back out and started being terrible again and calling people names. I don't know. He just – he was just a very strange – He wasn't a good uh, person. No. He was not a good human being. But no, anyway, he was an asshole. Horrible, just, horrible, horrible but, uh, but um, they threw him out of the cab, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I just don't want these guys to fuck with my vehicle right now. Yeah. But but I, and I'm trying to, like, eke my way through, and I wasn't, like, putting on – I didn't um, slap the throttle or do anything. I was just, like – Trying to be like very ginger to get through because I know people are like sensitive to, to that stuff with everything, right? And then, you know, all you, you know, what you guys did when, when that happened, mm. they were like, let the driver go. Y'all screamed, let the driver go. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, yeah. Like, like, I mean, most of the, I'm gonna say, like, as far as my personal experience with the vast majority of people that were out there during that time, most of them were very, like, you know, conscientious and moral people. Yeah. You know what I mean? But and, what I'm, so anyway, what I'm, and then, um, you know, we drive, we drive around. I drive around and clean like, the blood off my cab, and then the cops are talking to a bunch of people. And I go to the cops, and I told the cops what happened. Yeah. And then when I told the cops what happened about how he was dropping end bombs and yeah. how he like was you know hit hit like a female and did this and that, the cops were like, "Yeah, man, that sounds like he got what he deserved. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes." And the yeah. cops let all y'all go, and they were like, "We would have arrested him, but a bunch of you guys ran away, so we couldn't." <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was um, there was that. Like the cops were pretty cool when when I talked to them. At least those cops were. Yeah. Um, and then I talked to you guys afterwards, and everything was like, it, it is what it is. Um, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, But here's the thing, right, with, with the media and everything, right? Mm. And it's that, um, listen, man, if, like, somebody from The Blaze or somebody from, like, The Daily Caller or somebody from one of those news outlets, th that could have been, like, um, if they had filmed that, that could have made you guys look really bad. Yeah. If, if that got filmed without the full context. Yeah. Um, and, and and there's a lot of stuff like, you know, the left wing media does that stuff, too. And but every media outlet does it does they, every media outlet when they film things. They never have a there's never like a full context of what really happened. It's a, and that's and that's impossible for them to make. Like that's that's one thing that I, that I learned about, like journalism is it's it's literally impossible for you to know every facet of what it is that's happening and and any kind of uh representation that you're giving of it is going to be incomplete and yeah and, and then p and then the problem is we're so so polarized that when you try to uh, present opposing viewpoints everybody you'll just get like hated and people will get yeah. angry with you and stuff yeah like like even like um look at Hiram. yeah yeah um and we're gonna talk about that too but i, I keep saying oh yeah we're gonna talk about this <laughs> so let's let's um speaking of Hiram, you were there when garrett foster got murdered and yeah. i was i was um riding around and I didn't see it happen, but I heard it. Yeah. And I, like, saw what happened afterwards. But you were there when it happened. Like, what happened? Because I, I really do believe, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predecess this before, like, um, with the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Like, I think Kyle Rittenhouse is, like, being railroaded, and I think what Kyle Rittenhouse did was self-defense. But that being said, John, Garrett Foster was fucking murdered. Yeah. So I, I just want to put that into context. Um, what happened? If it's a sensitive subject, you don't have to share it. If it's, like, painful or something, you know. I don't know if that was like your boy or you were close to them, but like what happened if you're comfortable? So I, I wasn't super close to him as a person. Like he he was a face, him and his his partner, they were there every single day. Um, 
you know, they were very committed. I, I, I mean, I, I even go so far as to say I never even really talked to him. But okay. I, I, he was he was a part of the fabric of my background for sure. Okay. Um, so that night we had done a bunch of marching. We we marched to the W to call out Adler, I believe. Um, and we it was late it was late at night. I mean, there were less than thirty people at this point. Um, we were walking, I believe, from the W uh, up Congress uh, back towards where we were all gonna rendezvous and get out of there um uh coming up on fourth street and congress um he the the guy he uh he he comes up along fourth and without stopping he he slams on his gas and honks and rips around that corner and there's a crowd of people there and they managed to get out of the way of him but he very seriously could have hit somebody um and then he stopped Right. And I'm over here and this is all happening up over here. And so I move over and I'm in front of him, maybe 20, 25 feet in front. And I'm looking through his windshield and maybe six or seven people come up on his right side. And everybody like something really important is he hit like a traffic cone. There was like a temporary bike lane that had been set up. And he, he hit this traffic cone and it made a big thud. Okay. And everybody thought he had hit somebody. So we're all like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, this is like shit. a situation okay, right now. So you thought that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're all going up trying to ask, you know, what the fuck? Why did you do that for? And of course, people were upset. We thought you just fucking hit somebody. And if you didn't, you very nearly did. So what the fuck? Um, and so six or seven people go up to his driver's side and uh, they're just kind of like yelling at the car. Um, and I see him like reach over, not like all the way, but he, he reaches over. So the gun was either in like his console or in that seat or just right in, in his side. And he picks it up just slowly. And he rolls down the window as he moves the gun over and he shoots him. And I, I, okay. I, yeah. And I remember, I remember I saw the first three shots. Um, and then I realized what was happening and I, I, you know, ducked for cover and whatnot. And then he got out of there, but something really important to keep in mind is he came around that corner and in front of him, there was nobody. You see what I mean? Everybody had gotten out of the way of him. And so he could have gone forward. There was, again, like maybe 25 feet between me and him. If he was comfortable slamming on his gas going around that corner into a group of people, he should have been comfortable going towards me. But he stopped. He wasn't, nobody was stopping him from leaving. He chose to stay there. And then he chose to shoot Garrett. Now, did he come down with the intention of killing somebody? I have no, I have no idea. idea. Well, did so just just to ask another yeah. question too. Um, and like I said, if you feel uncomfortable, you don't have to answer anything yeah. you don't feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But didn't Garrett like um, point the AK no. at him where he had it in a low ready position? Like, because I saw footage and no, I, I thought other people say that he had the gun in a low ready position while he was approaching him. He certainly didn't point it at him. So, w from my vantage point, there was a gap between the people and the car, and there was cars on the other side of the intersection and their lights were going through and so there was a very clear illuminated section between the car and the people right if he had lifted that barrel even a little bit i would have seen it perfectly because it would have been illuminated from behind okay it never happened he never pointed his gun at him maybe his hand was like on the backstock like to keep it back forward or, or i mean uh, back back and away from you know going forward if anything but he he, he never pointed it at him it didn't happen absolutely not Okay. Yeah. I'm asking, man. I honestly like. I was there afterwards, and it, it just I, I saw the body language of a lot of people. Yeah. And the people that I've talked to in that group were like, you know, like there's good protesters and there's bad protesters, right? 
And most of the people that are in your group were like the good protesters. Like these are the same people that were like, let the driver go when that guy got attacked, yeah. you know? So like, I don't think that those are like mean, violent people that want to destroy things. I think these are just regular people like you and me, if that makes sense. I think the vast majority of people out there, I would, I would even go as far as to say all of the people that, that were out there and had been protesting regularly throughout the summer were not people who like wanted to just destroy things. But I then think what that- happened with Hiram? But then, but then like all, but then a whole bunch of, was it, I don't know if it's you or like a whole bunch of these people started turning on Hiram who was an objective journalist that just wants to actually do real journalism. So a big part of that whole situation with, with Hiram and MRB, which was the group of people that he ended up having, but, as, but that as well was as not, a, a couple of leaders. That wasn't from the MRB. Those guys were not MRB. Those are just regular. No, they, the, that was MRB. The people that we, the people that beat up the guy calling dropping n bombs was MRB. Oh no, that wasn't. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the people that 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 hit Hiram and, and stole his shit. Yeah, but I'm saying the people that were there when Garrett got shot were not MRB, were they? There were a couple of them there, but like I said, the the group of people that was out there was not a monolith. Okay, gotcha. It, okay. it, it never I understand, was. I understand. Yeah, right. yeah. So anyway, the Hiram thing. Go back. Let's get back to the Hiram thing. Um, so, uh, from my understanding of it, which is, again, incomplete, um, a lot of people started having issues with him because, one, he wasn't presenting what was going on within the context of struggle and, what do you, okay. like, like, like the ideological and racial, racial struggle that was going on. Basically, it was, a uh, part of it was, uh, and if you're not with us, you are against us and you're, you're providing like a live feed for the police to watch and people who might want to attack us but to watch. But do you watch. think that that's like, that like, but the whole idea of if you're not with us, you're against us is not a good way to approach this thing anyway. I, I agree to a certain extent. I, I do also see, because then, cause then I, I, I can see the issues that they were raising with him, not taking the stance that. Trump is bad and you know the the people who support him are generally wrong and like the the police are attacking people regularly but, but then like, Biden is also horrible too I and, agree and, and it was like but it wasn't it wasn't a we weren't out there for the presidential election no, I know like, I know that I know that but. going on like specifically between them like that was part of it was his ideological position of uh, trying to retain some kind of neutrality beyond that though he had amassed after Garrett Foster a a following made up largely of like far right conservatives. But I have, but okay, so John, I have a following of far right uh, of far yeah. right conservatives. So, um, but I talk to everybody and I try to like let everybody share their story yeah. and, and present their best self when they talk to me. It's like, you know, so I shouldn't be attacked or jumped or anything like that because I'm willing to talk to everybody, right? I, I agree with you, and I'm not saying that he should have been attacked. In fact, I, I mean, I was out there as a journalist as much as he was, so yeah. I'm, I'm very much for the freedom of the press. But I'm I'm just trying to explain the 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 reasons why things were happening in the first place. Or from, the, from their perspective, why? Yeah, I'm not saying you're that, not agreeing like, with this. You're regurgitating information. <laughs> regurgitating is not the word I'd use. But, Sorry, yes. but yeah, okay. You're yeah. repeating. I'm you're just, just I'm I'm, I'm describing the situation okay, as sure. as my understanding of it okay. existed. All right. So keep, um, keep keep going. Yeah. So he uh, that that's where the main thing came from. And MRB uh, through Tribune of the People wrote. Uh, a pretty scathing, you know, indictment of him um, and his position ideologically and through his actions. Um, and slowly that just kind of built into an open hostility. Um, and he then was later asked by leaders of Black Star Power Collective uh, and MRB and a, a few other people to just not be at events anymore, which he refused. I mean, he, which, you know, he, I believe that he had the right to be there I agree. as okay. much as anybody else, but, you know, Again, like I, I keep coming back to, back to this thing of like I, I haven't really found a position on it because I understand, like, it, he, 
what he was doing live streaming served it served both sides it served the the function of informing people what was going on people on you know the side of the protesters who were trying to keep up with everything and getting a direct feed of what was going on was very important i mean especially for me i watched his feed a lot whenever i couldn't be out there but again it was also like the danger of the police were very obviously watching him and they were watching that stream and like if some like if they had said nobody go out into the street and somebody like took a step off off the sidewalk for a second to get around somebody they would then come and violently arrest that person because of video from Hiram's stream you really you really think so absolutely absolutely they i saw them arrest a guy who was skateboarding and had nothing to do with us because they thought that he they they thought that that guy was with us and he was on the street whatever they said don't be on the street and then they violently arrested him i saw people thrown to the ground i saw people maced and beaten through for nothing i saw i saw uh, uh this this uh girl ellie who was also a journalist who had been filming things uh she was she was filming a protest um a cop came up behind her slapped her phone out of her hands and she said i want your badge number i want your badge number and she was following him and then she was grabbed and thrown literally thrown yeah. onto no, her back that, that stuff is bad um, we all agree on that <laughs> um no, i'm saying not, i'm, I'm not, saying that uh, it was it was it was constant the violence but there was also but then there was also when i was um so when i got there um after garrett got shot uh -huh. I was willing. I was hanging out in my cabin. I was trying to offer people rides out of there in yeah. case they didn't get arrested. Uh -huh. Nobody took the ride. People just stayed. People were staying there, like antagonizing and yelling at the cops. Yeah, while, that's, but that's they were, the struggle. That's that's struggle. But it's like, but it almost felt like, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm just some guy who drives a pedicab. I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm not that involved. But from what I from what I saw, it felt like there were people there who were like deliberately trying to antagonize. Um, these officers to create these like Kent State moments and get arrested to like further add fuel to their struggle that's that's been the basis of protest in the united states since before the 60s i mean that, that that's the whole point is is showing the violence of the state bare regard i mean yelling at you could you should be able to yell at cops whatever you want for as much as you want that's constitutionally protected man yeah. And that does not give them the right to be... To just start fucking you up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And which is... They, they would... The police would then create situations in which they had justification to be violent towards people and to let their anger out. It was... It, they operated like a gang. Regularly. You know, I... I, I there, and I, I want to hammer something else home. There was no right way to protest for the police. There was no right way to go about it unless you were fully neutered and not, not doing anything at all whatsoever and not involved. If you were there and you were against the police and you wanted things to change, you were an open target, especially if you were a leader. I saw people who had megaphones stolen from them. I saw people who had flags stolen from them, who had signs stolen from them. Again, like it so, was regular yeah. targeted violence. But then you also by saw the police. Stuff, you also saw stuff in like other states. And I don't, I don't know what's happening in Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. but people were getting arrested like multiple times, you know, a week and just getting bailed out just yeah. Just getting let out like right yeah. away like hey hey we're getting arrested you letting you out letting you out letting you out yeah. letting you out letting you out. and then you have people who are also like who are also like habitual violent criminals that were like getting arrested for stuff like this and just being let out let out let out let out like you saw like every like it was a shit show on every end of the spectrum because man. the police police were arresting people without cause a lot of those charges were dropped because they were they were illegal arrests and they were fraudulent charges that happened a lot you know what I mean? Like, it, it, yeah, I, oh, I could see it, that when you have that many people getting arrested and there are protests. Like, I could definitely the, the see that. The purpose too. of those arrests 
was to dissuade people from being out there in the first place. It didn't matter what you were doing. The fact of the matter was that you were there was enough for the police to create a situation in which yeah, you could be arrested, and then that puts you into the criminal system, and then that means you have to deal with lawyers, and that means you, you, you get a record potentially, and you have to be in jail for a certain amount of time, yeah. and you, might, you have to pay a bunch of money, you might lose your job. It's about like dissuading you from wanting to take any action whatsoever and giving up. Okay. That's what it was about. All right. And then um yeah, okay. I like I I I think that there's um there's there are punitive arrests. There's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. But there's also there's also just been a lot of like backlash to these protests because of some of the things that happened as a result of the protests, like all the property damage mm. that occurred, the fact that like, you know, my the stuff that happened my friend's gym, the stuff that like and I had another friend of mine who like who I work out with that um he was driving his car to like pick up his girlfriend mm. and a bunch of people and he had dogs in the car and like a bunch of people started swarming his car for no reason and banging on his windows for no reason. Mm. And this is my my friend Joey Rodriguez, right? And he's a Hispanic male. He's like a kind of yeah. a whiter Hispanic male. And he no, he didn't do anything, but he he was like worried about his safety genuinely, and they were scaring his dogs. He was trying to pick up his girlfriend, and the whole and a whole bunch of people started like violently attacking and assaulting his car for no reason at mm -hmm. all. And he was like very tempted to put a gun out, and he didn't. Nothing happened. But if he had he done that, they would have created. They would have like I felt as though the media would have created a Kent State moment and vilified him and called him like a white supremacist and like drag his name through, drug his name through the mud and done all types of shit. And then he was also told me another story that like. During that, that night where all the riot like all the rioting was happening and stuff like that, where people in were like, throwing, yeah, um, that like there were just a bunch of these like punks on skateboards or people who were like just straight up criminals that were like not even there protesting but just taking advantage of the unrest yeah. to just fuck shit up. Yeah. And if like anything happened to those people, if they had gotten shot or something would have happened, the media would have just called them civil rights activists. So like the media is like, the media is misconstruing what these protests mean, man. You know, like there's a two way street to this shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, but I think we're on the same page with that. I just want to like, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've done my, I've, I, I read manufacturing consent. Like, I, I, I know, I, I know pretty well how media operates in the United States. Like, I'm, we're, we're, we're pretty closely. Uh, I think we're on the same page about a lot of stuff, and I think it's good yeah. to have these discussions to like understand that there's the same page. Yeah. But even when I had like, um, when I had like Harrison Smith and I had like Luis Rodriguez on, like, a lot of the stuff that like, um. A lot of the stuff that, like, Luis and even, like, Harrison Smith were saying, like, there's so many parallels of thought to those people that if you were to just, like, talk to them about, like, what you were dealing with and what you were concerned with and there was, like, a plan, you had, like, a plan, like, a possible plan of action, like, possibly help, yeah. like, society, they would listen to you. And, like, and that's what I'm trying to, like, do with this podcast by talking to these people. So I'm like, oh, man, you might think, like, what, uh, like, like Luis is, like, a certain type of way because of how he's portrayed right but now you listen to him talking to my pocket like maybe i should just go talk to him and like express my concerns calmly and he'll listen to me mm -hmm. or if this guy's like you know a police activist and he knows a bunch of police officers and knows union heads and knows chiefs maybe he'll be more likely to actually pitch this police reform if you talk to him about it because he has like and we said this in the coffee shop like if you got an r next to your name they're more likely to listen to you progress has never come by asking nicely for it no, but it comes by like standing up for yourself and then asking nicely for and then asking nicely. No, Pro yeah, progress tends to come at the barrel of a gun. Oh, sure, but then when people are worried about what you're gonna do, they're more likely to listen to you. So then you can be nice. Yeah, it, I, I, I think I think it takes. I think that it it takes, it takes both. I think it takes readily organized leadership that can push reform and uh, structural change and present it to a captive audience which Listen. is held captive by 
violence of the masses. I, I think, read that, a, I think I read that's a, the only way that things change. I ran a city council camp, camp candidacy for a minute because of how effective, because of what I saw from these protests when it came. Like, did you read my, my platform at all? I wasn't aware you ran. I ran for in District 2, and I got I dropped out to endorse somebody who was just a better fit than me because he mm -hmm. liked my ideas and was more involved in the community, yeah. Casey Ramos. Uh, but I, I got 5% of the vote, and I didn't do like anything. I, I dropped out, and I got 5% of the vote. Yeah. I got two votes per dollar that was given to me. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good return. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, what I, what I was saying is that I, um, I had a whole police reform plan. I'm like, you know, for the cops, they should take out personal liability insurance. Um, yeah. And they should like when it comes to, like auditing police misconduct, it should be an independent review board full of like regular, yeah. objective, middle of the road people, probably more like myself, and you know, maybe not you yeah. or not like Luis. You know what I mean? Like just be like regular, average people yeah. who are like super middle of the road. Um, and I also said that like jiu -jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu training needs to be mandatory, and that you should be a blue belt and up um, in order to actually be a cop, so you can actually like subdue a suspect without hurting them or, or using excessive force. I, 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 and then when I saw Garrett die, dude, I was like, none of these cops are EMT certified. Like maybe if they knew how to like administer like care to him, he would have he could have been okay, you know? Yeah, I think you should be licensed to be an officer. I think you should, there should be a national licensing board. Like, like if, if a doctor, like, through malpractice kills somebody, they take his license away and he can't be a doctor anymore. Well, that's what the personal liability insurance and all that stuff. I is. think it should go further than that. I think that if you, if you kill somebody on duty and it was unjust, which quite a few of them are. I would even go so far as to say the majority of killings on duty are unjust. But that's a whole other subject. That's another story. I think you, you, gotta, like, you should have your license taken away and you shouldn't be able to be a cop anymore. That's a basic, like, there are just some professions where you can't have bad apples. That's it. Policing is one of them. If you are given a gun, which I don't agree with in the first place, if you're given a gun and said, okay, you get, you can use this whenever you feel it's necessary, then you have to be held to a higher standard. And, and as it stands, they Wait, are not held to any standard. Yeah, well, there's an issue with that. But like, you don't think cops should be given a gun? That's no, a little, like... I don't. I, I think that... Um, but then what if like criminal what if like a bunch of gangbangers have guns like what are you going to do then? Then they then they're outgunned. Honestly, I I don't <laughs> I don't I don't think that agents of the state should have the ability to kill people. I I just think that's fundamentally wrong. Even if that puts those agents of the state at, at a disadvantage. But then all you're going to do is create a situation where like gangs and criminals and organized mobs run things and that's that's bad too, man. Not necessarily. I why? Well, I mean, I think we're going to agree to disagree on that, but that's, that's my Yeah. I, I think that's that's um that's something I fundamentally yeah. disagree on. Yeah. Um, I think that they should be more accountable, and I had like a detailed plan as to how they should be more accountable, and like it's because of those protests that like made me want to do that. Yeah. So I, you know, I think ultimately, if you're like, if you take direct action to try to make things better, and you and you are an empathetic human being, you won't get that much backlash. Because like, so far I haven't like gotten people like, I haven't gotten any like horrible backlash because of the podcast guests I have because I try to just do fair interviews and I try to let people talk and I try to like express myself and do it in a way to promote unity not divisiveness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that's that's my take on it. And um I think that um there 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 also has been a big wake up call for police reform and that wake up call has come largely from the right if you want my opinion. I I don't think so. I think no. that, I think the majo the majority of the right that I've seen have been the people actively and passionately defending the police. Whether which is again really strange. I think there's sort of this uneasy alliance between the old school kind of libertarians like keep everybody away from me, go fuck yourself. I don't want a cop in my 
in my house, yada, yada, yada. And like these new sort of neo-fascists who are doing everything they can to protect and promote the power of the state at, at whatever what? cost. There's sort of an, an uneasy alliance there. And, uh, you know, like something really interesting was like the, the outlaw bikers and how outlaw bikers showed up and showed out for police, which whenever historically they've been against them. You know what I mean? I thought that was very strange. I thought that was a very strange development for sure. Well, because it just because something just felt feels odd too about the this particular wave of protest, and maybe it's because it's in a pandemic. Maybe it's because a lot of small businesses are the ones being targeted instead of like the actual agents of oppression. So like, I think there's a lot to be said about all of that stuff too. Um, but I was at a lot of these like reopen protests, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, a lot of people that I was talking at these protests, like we, a lot of us were seeing videos where cops are arresting people for not social distancing or not wearing masks or doing shit like that. And that once people saw that, we're like, dude, these cops better stand for the people and they better not come and arrest me for opening up my store or opening up my bar because if they start doing this, you're, we're not going to have your back anymore. And so there is becoming a, there, and I'm seeing this in a lot of conservative circles, man, because I follow a lot of these people that if you're not like, if the cop, like if you don't stand with the people um, in terms of letting them operate their business, operate their establishment, you know, if you're going to enforce all this mask wearing bullshit and yeah. this quarantine stuff, then we're not standing with you anymore. So now there is like a real onus for the police officers to actually stand with the people. And it's because of this COVID crap, you know, which is so interesting to me that like the line for those people of supporting or not supporting the police is whether or not they can make money. But who not, cares as long not, as but not but that's whether still or not the police are murdering people regularly with impunity. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? It's still a. a it's, and it's still good I to have an aha moment. An aha moment is still good. And I instead agree. of criticizing people for having aha moments, you got to embrace those aha moments and accept people and let and create open, um, positive dialogue. Because ultimately, there are a lot more commonalities um, between people than we are being made to believe. Yeah. By like the tech companies, by social media, by corporate media, by all this. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, I think we talked about uh, a lot, right? We got everything. Uh, I think we did everything except for Biden. Oh, fu fuck Biden. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about it. Like, I, dude, that guy's horrible, man. It's like yeah. a Joe Biden presidency is only going to pave the way for a real fat. That's another thing, too, man. Let, let's actually end with this Biden shit, too. Like, a, a Joe Biden presidency is going to pave the way for a real fascist in four years. Yeah. I think. And Trump's not a real fascist because he's not competent enough to be one. Well, uh, competency yeah. does, is not the determining factor about whether or not you're a fascist. He is a fascist. But he, again, I agree, he is, he is incompetent at it. But he is a fascist. Biden, on the other hand, like the, he, there are a few things that he's doing that are good, but it's none of it is ever enough. And at the base, at the very base of who he is as a person, he is still fundamentally beholden to the ultra wealthy and is going to be operating based well, off of their, their, more their so, addiction. More so than Trump, like Biden raised a record, raised like a billion dollars from like tech from oligarchs the majority of like trump's financial contributions are from small business owners this year man like it, w it was actually weird seeing but, this quite like i'm just saying like this is just what happened man like yeah and i and, I, and don't don't misconstrue this as me defending biden i don't want to be misconstrued as a biden supporter i'm definitely well not. nobody's a biden supporter uh, yeah ever, what was the big thing settle for biden that was it like if bernie sanders had been on the, the democratic ticket he would have won in a landslide, and, and, he would, and it would have been, and he would have won a real, and it would have been a real win. Not it would have been a real win. Because this is not a real win. I do not believe. I do not believe the results of this election. I don't know if this is a path we want, a rabbit hole we want to go down, but I do not. I do not believe. Like I'm very much questioning whether or not this is a legitimate election. I haven't given much thought to it. 
I think and I'll tell you why because it. because corporate Democrats I, I think the corporate Democrats used voter fraud to get Biden the contendership like I, I think that Bernie Sanders actually won the Democratic primary and and these corporate Democrats did everything they can to fuck Bernie so if they're gonna if they're gonna do whatever they can to fuck one of their own yeah I, I think they, it, they like they, they are doing everything they can to put the worst person in charge to serve corporate oligarchical Wall Street globalist interests I think that it's it's possible that it happened and it had influence I think it's also very possible and very likely that there was foreign influence. I think it's also very possible that Trump was also the worst president in American history and he bungled COVID. Or actually, I don't think he bungled it. I think he deliberately did it so as to harm the American people because he's an agent of a foreign hostile government. No, I think Biden's an agent of a foreign hostile government when it comes to China. After you, think, you, you think he's beholden to China? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm more concerned about Joe Biden being beholden to China than I ever would be about Trump being beholden to Russia. Trump is literally an agent of the Russian no, government. No, Donald Trump wanted to like build some hotels and uh, but some some of these Russian trolls probably had some kind of like uneasy alliance with him because Trump was using some of that some of his visibility to try to build like hotels and towers in Russia to make some money. He, the, the 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 amount of like the he, amount of the amount of shit that was like possibly on Hunter Biden's laptop and the business dealings that Hunter Biden was getting and Joe was getting from the Chinese government and the financial benefits that like Amazon and Facebook and all these big tech companies get from having a relate like a, a relationship with China is way more serious, man. Like I maybe I'm wrong, but that's really what I feel like. I feel like the the China thing is way more serious than the Russia thing. I think you are wrong. I think that Trump gutted the State Department. He removed a huge amount of institutional knowledge within the American government. Um, I think that he deliberately did as much as he could to make the pandemic hit the United States as hard as possible. Um, I, I think I think he w he was acting in a hostile manner towards the American government and the American people e regularly. Easy, because I and think not to not to men not to mention like the host of you know verified provable um, things which show him as beholden to the Russian government and Putin specifically. Like it. He, he was literally an agent of a hostile foreign government. Like, what, whether or not Biden has connections to China, and I, which I'm, I'm sure he does, like the elite, ten, the, the elite tend to congregate together. But I, I, think I don't China's think it's... I think a way more hostile I, foreign government than Russia ever could because China has a lot more powerful power and influence globally. Russia doesn't have that much, like, global influence. Russia has quite a bit of global influence. Well, they have a little influence. bit with the oil and I mean, stuff, they, but not, they, as much, they, not as much as China. China's going to be the number one global superpower in the world as a result of all this shit. I don't know as a result of all of this. I think there's a lot of things in with China and Chinese history that has set them up for that position. And also within American and American history and American foreign policy that has set that up. I think that we're we're witnessing the rot of empire right now and that is being accelerated by again hostile foreign powers who want a multipolar world rather than a unipolar world. Um, so I, I don't think that there are many American friends on the world stage necessarily. Um, no matter what. And I think we can agree on that. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah, but I don't know. I um, I, I was glad that Trump didn't want to like lock us down as a country. I think a lot of people died because of that. I think I think a, a lot of people died that didn't have to. Whether or not they were old, it's still a lot of people died that didn't have to for the sake of money. Instead of just giving people money, which totally could have happened. Yeah, but there still would have been no way to enforce this stuff because we don't have the um, smart technology that these other um, European countries have, and we're such a vast country that it would have been very hard to enforce anything no matter what. And that's fine. That, 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 I, I'm okay with that, and I don't think that we should use this pandemic to create these like global smart mass surveillance cities because that could it be a It already exists. Yeah, but it, it doesn't exist that much here in Austin, yes, Texas. Yes, it not, it's, not, it's not as bad as it would be in like – 
in like Italy or in like London or in like China or in other parts we're, of the world. It's not as bad, and I don't want everything. Like that. That, every word that we are saying right now is being intercepted by the NSA. Every single word that we're saying. My phone, my phone right here has recorded this entire conversation, and it's now in the hands of the United States government. Because I'm a dissident, I'm very likely on a list. We could all be on a list, man. I'm saying things that people don't want to hear either. So, hey, man, we'll go to these re-education camps together, bro. Yeah, yeah. All right, John, thank you so much. Um, how can we get a hold of you? Uh, I have an Instagram at onweisme, O-N-W-E-I-S-M-E. Check out my music. I'd appreciate it. But uh, How can we find your music, John? Come on, share. Don't be on shy. So- it's on SoundCloud. It's the same, the same at O-N-W-E-I-S-M-E. Uh, you might have to look a little bit. I'm pretty small, but it's out there. It's all right. I enjoy it. You got a big heart, John. Thank you. Yeah. Well, hey, John, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. Yeah. There's been an all-new episode.